You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Hey guys, it's Mark here from Amherstburg, Ontario. As I lounge out here with my children on Father's Day in beautiful Lake Erie, I just wanted to call and wish you, Jeff, you, Elliot, and of course, you, Amal, you three gentlemen, a very happy Father's Day. Thanks a lot for all you guys do. Take care. Hey, that is very lovely. Thank you so much for that on behalf of uh, the entire crew. Well, actually, not on behalf of everybody. Elliot, do you have a word? Amal, do you have a word? Happy Father's Day to all the great fathers out there. There's no more important thing you do than teach your children a good example, or at least in my case, try to anyway and fail miserably. As a father, I serve as a warning to my children. That's my <laughs> job as a parent. What about you, Amal? Extra special. It's Noah's birthday today, too. I so know, it's good. Nice. Extra special. That's excellent. Um, yes, uh, happy Father's Day uh, to everybody out there and to the mums doing double duty as well. Of course, yes. Okay, so a couple of things here. Let's do the intro. Uh, 32 Thoughts, the podcast, as always, presented by the GMC Canyon AT4X. Thank you for joining us once again. Even though the season has wound down, the podcast will continue in a in a kind of regular format here. Like We'll be dropping pods, three of them this week. We'll have something for the draft next week as well. We'll do plenty uh, around free agency as well so we still have a bunch more so we haven't we haven't set sail quite yet so you still have to hear us you know barking out hockey nonsense for at least another couple of weeks uh but before we get to the hockey here's what i'm curious about because i've never seen them and i've always wanted to see them not that i'm jealous about you two this weekend but one of you two went to see alexis on fire and the other went to see the cure in montreal uh this little piggy stayed home meanwhile and did neither how was the cure they were fantastic. Uh, I, I have to say I was very impressed. Max lasted 30 of 31 songs. On the 31st 31 song. 31 songs? Yes. They, uh, Robert Smith and The Cure. Like Smith 64. The other members are in their 60s. Wow. They played for two hours and 45 minutes. Holy shit. I'm 52, and I can barely wow. get through a 45-minute podcast. And those guys were, <laughs> were belting it out in their 60s. It was spectacular. We had a great time. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And they played a lot of well-known stuff, and they played a lot of stuff that unless you were really a huge fan, you wouldn't recognize. Yeah. But uh, it was excellent. Thank you for asking. Did they play In Between Days? Of course, yes. They That would be the one. Yeah. Like that. If you're going, that's the one. Okay. Then I would. if I went to the show in Montreal, I would have went home happy because I got to hear In Between Days. Emil, Alexis on Fire. They played a cover of 
fully completely by Tragically Hip. I know. I saw it online. It I was, was so jealous. unbelievable. That's so fantastic. Oh, those clips are all over social media. I'm sure you've seen them. How long did you like? How long did it take you to realize what they were doing? I knew right away when George started talking about paying tribute to the past. I was like, yeah. "Oh man, here we go." Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's one of my favorite hip songs too. Well, I'm glad you two guys uh, had a great <laughs> what time. What did you do all weekend, show. Jeff? Uh, I had one kid who was sick, and I had another kid at a tournament in Barrie for baseball. Uh, so while I stayed home for a couple of days taking care of a sick kid, I did get to Barry on Sunday uh, to see the quarters in the semifinals. Nice uh, for Brody's team. So nice. that was a great. That's a great way to spend Father's Day. Yeah, taking care of a sick kid and then going to see some youth baseball. I love it, guys. Okay, you know what people love? You know what really gets tongues wagging? Two things: one, offer sheets, mm-hmm. and two, buyouts. That really gets the old curiosity machine going on the hockey social media, on the hockey Twitter. And whether it was, you know, previously Darian Hatcher coming out of the lockouts or Vincent LeCavalier with the Tampa Bay Lightning or perhaps most recently Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, Oliver Ekman Larson bought out by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he did have four more seasons, Elliot, as you know, at eight and a quarter. That is now chopped by 85% and it extends over an eight-year period. We will get to the Arizona factor in all of this as well. But first, your thoughts on Oliver ekman Larson getting bought out by the Canucks. I was shocked when it came across me just because I had asked the Canucks earlier this, I don't even think it was before the season ended. I think it when I was out there for the, um, for the telethon that they do in March, uh, I asked if they were going to be using a buyout this summer, and they said extremely unlikely. So I kind of put it out of my head, and I know some other reporters there had asked if they might be doing buyouts, and, and the Canucks seemed to indicate no. And then all of a sudden, they kind of surprised both us and Oliver ekman Larson by calling him on Friday and saying, you know what? Uh, we're going to use the buyout. Initially, uh, like Ekman Larson through his agent, Kevin Epp, had indicated that they had been told that that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, what this says to me is that, you know, Vancouver, they want a clear room. They want to be able to do some things this offseason. They want to compete for a playoff spot uh, next year. And what it says to me, Jeff, is that everything else that they tried to do, it was either going to be too expensive they would have to attach something they didn't want to attach or they just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so they said, you know what? We can free up $7 million of cap room. And what we would have paid Ekman Larson the next two years, they're now going to pay him over the next eight years. So they just decided this is the easiest way to rip off the Band-Aid. Now, I have to say on some level, I think this is the best thing that happens to the player and the team. Mm-hmm. This could not continue for four more years there's no way that oliver ekman larson for four more years in vancouver was going to work and the one thing i do agree with here is that you know don't throw good money after bad if you have something here that doesn't look like it's going to work you get out of it the way that you have to get out of it and the Canucks have done that. And I think they will benefit, and I think Ekman Larson will benefit. It'll be interesting to see what the next contract is he signs. In a year where there's not a lot of defensemen available and teams always need D, 
like I had people texting me on Thursday before the Canucks officially announcing it saying, are you sure about this? And my answer was, God, I hope so, because I already put it out there. <laughs> but there will be teams that will be interested in him. He'll have choices. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the next contract will be. But he'll be able to pick a spot where he can go and kind of resuscitate his career. But that's the thing I kind of agree with the most, is that this wasn't going to work. And I think it was the best move for the Canucks and the player that Vancouver did this. We've talked about, you know, uh, various teams that have made plays for Oliver Ekman Larson in the past. The Boston Bruins have been on that list and were on that list previous. And he likes them. And he likes them. That's one of the teams that I wondered about right out of the gate here. Listen, it's not exactly a secret that the Boston Bruins are going to have to do some things here. And if you can get an Oliver Ekman Larson on the cheap, maybe that affords you the luxury of being able to do something that you otherwise had some misgivings about. So I, I do wonder about the Boston Bruins with Oliver Ekman Larson, whether that can finally come to some fruition because, geez, Elliot, how many years did we wonder about Oliver Ekman Larson and the Boston Bruins? It's been a number of them. The other thing too, Jeff, I wanted to talk about here is what just happened in the playoffs? The Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup and the Florida Panthers were finalists. That's right. Where did the Florida Panthers finish in the regular season? They barely made it in. So someone said to me that that Florida going to the Stanley Cup final Mm -hmm. after the way they finished the year, that's going to embolden teams again to the we just have to get in to win situation. Did everybody forget that they were the first place team in the NHL a year previous? That this wasn't just out of nowhere? But they're not really the same team, if you think about it. They're a pretty different team, if you look at it top to bottom from where they were a year ago. They made a pretty significant move that changed their group. I thought a lot about that argument. I'm just not convinced it's a fair comparison because they didn't exactly come back with the same group that they won the President's Trophy with. Look, we've seen this in the cap era. Edmonton, the Kings, as you have mentioned several times. Oh, did I mention Los Angeles? Yeah, you did once or twice. Mm -hmm. Someone's talking to me on the weekend that they really think that Florida going to the final on a hot run from a goalie, that if you believe in your goaltending and you think you have some stud players and guys who can fill in a role, you're going to think you can do this now. Mm -hmm. And when he saw the ekman Larson buyout, he wondered if that's what Vancouver's thinking. Okay, we've got Thatcher Demko. We've got some elite, elite level talent. Like he wondered, is that what they're thinking? This is what Florida did. Can we do the same thing with a bit more cap room here? And he thinks they're not going to be the only team that thinks like that. You know, basically right now there's this whole debate. Do you need a goalie or not? Well, we're looking at two very different teams here. Florida had Bobrovsky go on a heater. Vegas used five different goalies, including two guys, Brassois and Hill, who did a great job in the playoffs. But they have that big, tall, mobile defense. And he said what his team is talking about is, do you need a goalie? And what they think, and I think this is a really good way of looking at it, is 
the stud goalie becomes a little less important if you've got Vegas's defense or you have Tampa's defense or you have Colorado's defense from last year in the final. But he thinks the stud goalie becomes more important if you have Florida's defense, which is not as big and not as long. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And who does Vancouver have as their number one defenseman? Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes. And this is not to disparage Quinn Hughes. He is a great, great player. But his point was, if you're Vancouver, you can't build Vegas's defense, but you have a hell of a goalie. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about how the NHL is basically divided in half right now. Or it's, if you're going to be a championship contending team, it's divided in half. The team that can build the big, tall defense and mobile and create a system that makes it hard for people to get through and maybe not need the elite goalie or the team that doesn't have the big, tall, long mobile defense, but you still have to play really well positionally, but you have the goalie. And the king team or the great team is the team that's got both and Tampa had both. So he's looking at Vancouver and he thinks they're looking at Demko and some of the talent they have and just thinking, get in and then cause some headaches. So as a sidebar to all of this, I'm glad you brought us here. As a sidebar to all of this, how many Matthew Kachuk lights are going to get paid this summer based on what Matthew Kachuk just did with the Florida Panthers? Who are we talking about? Much in the same way as soon as Eric Lindros was both drafted and then traded and made his debut and played in the NHL. Everybody wanted to get a Eric Lindros type. And all of a sudden, Chris Gratton became very, very rich for a long, long time. There's no one out there that does exactly what Matthew Kachuk does other than Matthew Kachuk. Mm -hmm. He is a completely unique hockey player. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are managers out there that are, I'm sure, thinking to themselves, get me someone like him. Mm-hmm. I know we're not going to get him, but anyone that resembles or does anything similar to Matthew Kachuk, this is a good time to be that hockey player. Do you think that we see the Kachuk effect in the offseason? Go find that player. Good luck with that. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it exists, but you know how teams think. Yeah, you know what? I do, but I also think you look at, you know, what you've got, right? Like, to me, it's not only Kachuk is who he is, but also it's elite-level talent, right? Do you have elite players? Mm -hmm. I think Vancouver looks at it and says, we have elite players. Another thing someone said to me right away is they have to have something going on. And I asked around, it doesn't look like it i think now they've just opened themselves up to kind of figure out what they can do yeah but i don't think there was anything immediate but i think there there's clearly something they think they can do they'll be a fascinating team to watch mm-hmm. um both because of contracts uh, that i think we're all waiting for and wondering about as well and listen like i, I look at the division and We know that Vancouver doesn't want to take a step backwards, and you're right. They think they have the goaltender, and they probably do, in Thatcher Demko, provided he stays healthy. And not that your division should intimidate you out of competing, but you look at the Pacific. Like, Edmonton's going nowhere. The Stanley Cup resides in the Pacific. 
the Seattle Kraken just had a heck of a season and they're going to return with pretty much the same team, probably plus Shane Wright. Mm -hmm. And they don't look like they're going anywhere. And we've talked a lot about the Los Angeles Kings, the Calgary flames may be a wild card in all of this, but who's Vancouver jumping over? I don't know, man. Like I'm saying, it should not discourage you from trying at all. All I'm saying is. You sound like Homer Simpson. You know what the lesson is? Never try. Never try. (laughs) On Father's Day, that's my message to my kids. Never try. (laughs) Ooh, that hill's pretty big. Let's (laughs) let's try a smaller one here, kids. That's why I'm on the cover of today's Parent Magazine. Yes, that's me and Claire. Okay, uh, a few more things here. Um, uh, And a couple more about the Vancouver Connection. You kind of hinted at that. Like, I, I do wonder what's next for Vancouver because I don't think that you clear up this type of cap space without having something in mind here, but uh, I guess we'll stand by to see what uh, Vancouver has cooking. From the Arizona Coyotes' point of view, I do wonder, and perhaps you do as well, if this puts a chill on teams um, retaining salary here. So they retained on Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, he gets bought out, and because of that, the Coyotes will now lose one of their three retained salary slots for the next gulp eight years. Yeah. I didn't know about that. You know, credit to the people at Cap Friendly who got the answer to that. Yes. I I wasn't aware of that. I mean, what are you going to do? Look, Arizona would still take that trade. It got them Dylan Gunther. Of course they would. It got them Dylan (laughs) Gunther. So if you lose the spot for eight years, (laughs) I'll I'll take my chances with Dylan Gunther. Uh, Do you think that puts any type of chill on on salary retention? No? Teams look at that and shrug? Ottawa could have the same thing with Matt Murray here if the Maple Leafs go that route. Yeah, but that's only for two years. Fair. I, I, I mean, I, that, I, guess, I guess now you look at it and say we better take this into consideration. But like I said, if, if Arizona got the ninth overall draft pick, I, I'll take my chances with that. I'll deal with the consequences. Hey guys, it's Jay from Marion, Massachusetts. And yes, I'm a lifetime Montreal Canadiens fan. Yes, I was persecuted. This is a non hockey related statement. Elliot. You don't get much support on this podcast. Uh, the bionic woman is the best. I used to fight with my friends over who was hotter, Wonder Woman or Bionic Woman, and Bionic Woman always won. And it's so demented that she does those mattress commercials now, and I go, oh, Bionic Woman. I'm like, yo, she's 80. Bye, guys. Thanks for everything. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences, People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Okay, so a couple of people stole the show at the Vegas celebration. Well, oh, most, most namely the fans, and by that I mean William Carlson, and a very buckled William Carlson, and a very overserved William Carlson, overpoured William Carlson. So, uh, this guy, this effing guy. Yeah, I know, I know. So, he was here, they won. Yeah. And I know you have been here day fucking one. You guys are so amazing. We played Arizona in the first game. And we beat the shit out of them. What did he say? And I had no points. No points. But that's okay. Because at year one, I was pretty fucking great. But you guys were greater. And we've been up and down on this journey to the cup. Pass it to Marshy. Marshy, you got something to say? No, 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 no. Listen to me. We've been waiting for six long years for this guy. To be MVP. You had to drag the microphone away. I, from I felt terrible for that staffer. She did the best oh, job she could. Bless that woman. She tried. They were going to need the jaws of life to take that microphone out of Carlson's hands. There was no like playing him off stage gently and, you know, with the novelty hook trying to get him off stage. No, no way, man. This guy was tarps off, buckled, and going for it. Uh, what did you make of the weekend in Vegas? Well, first of all, I thought it was fantastic. You know, one of the things, and this is kind of the legacy of the Washington Capitals in 2018, right? Yes. Now, if your Stanley Cup celebration isn't off the charts bananas, it's almost like, why did you bother even winning it? Like, don't <laughs> come out here unless you're doing something ridiculous. I couldn't watch it live. We were at the concert, but I, I watched the clips on Sunday morning, and I could not stop laughing. First of all, all the shirtless guys... Aiden Hill doing his Ricky Bobby impersonation. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands. So funny. What does it mean to bring this city its first Stanley Cup? It's pretty wild. I don't know. I, I like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. That's okay. That's okay. Keep them natural. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. 
you know, even Eichel the day before working at the drive-thru of that burger place or whatever it was. That's because the Golden Knights star center Jack Eichel was serving up food at Raising Cane's. Cars were lined up in the drive-thru and hundreds of customers were also lining up in front of the store. Eichel worked a shift from 5 to 6 p.m. giving customers their chicken fingers, fries, toast, cane sauce and some slaw. Have you ever done a part-time job before you got drafted into the Knights? I worked at a hockey store for a little bit, but other than that, uh, hockey's been my only job. I think it would have been crazy if Eichel was there when I was ordering some chicken fingers. That is awesome. I thought it was hilarious. Carlson falling down the stairs. You know, Kevin BX has told the story before about when they were in Anaheim together, the rookies, like their initiation was basically getting up in front of the group and, and talking about themselves for a couple of seconds. And Carlson gets up there. He grabs the mic. He says... My name is William Carlson. They call me Wild Bill, and I love to party. And <laughs> everyone just started cheering when he said it in Anaheim. And if there was any doubt that he liked to party, we saw that on, on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. To me now, unless there isn't some level of public carnage, like I said, wow. it's almost like, why did you bother winning the Stanley Cup? The Washington Capitals have set a very high bar. And everyone now is trying to reach it. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, some people are writing, like, is that acceptable? I mean, come on. Like, no, stop. Send the den mothers somewhere else. Like, it's, you just want an incredibly difficult thing to win. You know, they call it the toughest championship to win in all the sports. When you win that, let it go, man. Let it go. What those players go through to win that thing. Now, the one thing I thought was really interesting was, Bruce Cassidy talked about a repeat. Here we go. Back to back. 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 And I remember when the Lakers won in 1987, Pat Riley got up at the, he was the coach then. He got up at the press conference and he said, I guarantee we're going to win it next year. And they did. It was a really tough season. But before Riley could speak the next year at the parade, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar grabbed him and like jokingly said, don't do that again. <laughs> and actually the next year they made the final and they got swept by the Pistons. They were badly injured. But it just reminded me of that LA Lakers moment. I like that though. Yeah, it was great. I like it a lot. And honestly, we talked about this last podcast. When you look at like, listen, you made a lot about that blue line, and rightfully so, from Petrangelo to Martinez to Theodore to White Cloud and McNabb and Haig. Like, holy smokes, you want to talk about a blue line uh, to say nothing of everybody up front. And we'll see what happens here with Ivan Barbashev, who may have priced himself out of Vegas. But even though Jack Eichel is lobbying the family to encourage Barbashev to resign with Vegas, this is a team that I think we look at and say, okay, why couldn't they repeat? I don't see why they can't. Now, there's one thing I wanted to clarify from last podcast, and that is that I talked about Mark Stone and just the allegations of uh, cap circumvention. And I mentioned how there was one team that complained and they were told that this is Mark Stone's reality, that he's battling a legitimate injury and the NHL considers it a very legitimate injury. And another team actually, after I said that on the pod, told me that, uh, the NHL really went hard at Vegas this time in terms of like investigating them and asking for the medical reports and everything on Vegas. 
And they said that this is the reality. He's got a bad back and it's going to be in and out. Well, one thing that I just wanted to add was I kind of talked about that in a past tense. I should have added as well. Vegas believes that this last surgery he had this year is going to solve the problem and Stone's going to be okay. So hopefully that's the case. But during the season, the there were teams that complained and the league backed them and said it was legit and this is his reality. Mm-hmm. Vegas is very hopeful that this past surgery has solved the problem. And they don't believe this will be a recurring thing from here on in. So I just wanted to mention that. I think we all think that way. I think all sane people want to see Mark Stone. I understand, you know, competing against Mark Stone isn't easy, um, but I think everybody wants to see Mark Stone in the NHL. It's a better league with Mark Stone. And uh, listen, I, you and me are on the same page about this. I just love Mark Stone. I like everything about everything from how he tapes the knob of his stick to how he plays to how he flies in the face of what we think a hockey player should skate like and how fast a player should skate. Uh, he more than compensates with hockey smarts and, and body positioning. Uh, real intelligent player. And with all due respect to Alex Ovechkin, nobody, Elliot, celebrates like Mark Stone. No. No one comes even close. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nobody comes close to Mark Stone celebrations. Give me those for the next four years of this contract with a pain-free back and full health. I want four more years at least of Mark Stone goal celebrations. You know, by the way, speaking of uh, players trying to come back to health, you know who I've uh, heard a little bit about? I don't even know if teams are even allowed to talk to him yet. Who's that? Connor Brown. Yeah, what's the latest there? Well, he got hurt, and he's still a member of the Washington Capitals. But I've heard there's teams kind of looking in there. You know, what's his situation going to be? What's he want to sign for? Where does he want to go? I know there's a lot of talk about Edmonton just because there's a lot of history there. I mean, it's obvious Connor McDavid. The Connor McDavid Association is twofold. One, same agency, and two, they played together in Erie. Yeah. In junior, just so all of our listeners understand that. You know, this is a year where teams are going to be looking for the best bargain they can find. And, you know, Connor Brown, another guy, you just want him to get healthy because he's a really good player. And there's been some features over the years about that Sportsnet's done about just what a tremendous person he is. It's true. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of teams out there curious about what he's thinking and where he's going and whether or not he's he's guaranteed to go to Edmonton because Edmonton's cap tight, right? So yep. they probably can't make him the biggest offer. But, you know, that's a name I've heard quite a bit about the last week. What's his situation? Speaking of Edmonton, uh, did you see Mark Spector's piece speculating about uh, Jonathan Taves and perhaps the Edmonton Oilers? Again, Jonathan Taves has made no decision yet on what he wants to do. But uh, I thought that was an interesting one to which, you know, one person told me, listen, if Jonathan Taves, you know, decides that he wants to play and is healthy enough to play, is seeking uh, an extension of his NHL playing days here, he's going to pretty much call the shot. Oh, yeah. Like if if he's healthy enough to play, he's calling the shot is what one person told me. But... Listen, I think that Edmonton would be on a long list of teams that would want Jonathan Taves, again, if he's healthy enough uh, to play and if he wants to play, depending on the decimal point, how he feels, all of it. Mm -hmm. 
And speaking of, you know, people that you want to see in the NHL continue, I'll take Jonathan Taves too. Understood. Who I still maintain, who I still maintain, once the career is over, I maintain he may be the best interview anyone can get. He is that fascinating of a person. I just think he needs to get away from hockey, Elliot. You know what I'm getting at? Like, I just think he needs to get away from hockey. I think he could be, and one day he will be for someone, the best interview of anyone in the NHL. You know who I've really tried to track down? And I don't want to bother him, but I've sent him a couple notes here and there. Danny Healy. Danny Healy and I have had some contact periodically, but a guy who just walked away. Tim Thomas? You know, actually, he's on the list. That's a very good one. I've sent him notes periodically. Like when I'm chasing like a, a story in the moment, mm-hmm. I can be like, as one guy said to me, you're like a dog on a bone. But when you know somebody kind of retires or goes away quietly, I'll send a few notes once in a while because I know that when I go, I'm going into the ether. Oh, you're just going to be a rumor? Yeah, and I will not want people bothering me. So it's like huh. treat people the way that you would want to be treated. So I send them a note once in a while, but I don't write a lot. Matt Niskanen. Amen, brother. Because Bufflin has showed up a little bit now. Like People have talked to Bufflin, but Matt Niskanen, after the bubble, he said, I'm done. And I've sent him a couple of notes here and there, but feathers. <laughs> Hang on. Is this what our podcast has come to? Begging hockey players to come on the show? Pretty <laughs> like much, pu- yes. Publicly outing them here. We'd love to Tim Thomas and Matt Niskanen and Danny Heatley and Jonathan Taves when he wraps it all up. Is that, is that what this podcast has become? <laughs> I'm not above begging. I am not above begging. Begging players to come on. Jill Malash, if you're listening, please, please. Well, he was working in the league for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Could probably track I know. Him. Love to talk to Joe Malash. I got a poster, Joe, a frame autograph picture from Amel over my shoulder. I get that question every now and then from the, the radio slash TV show. Who's that SEALs goaltender? Jill Malash. Amel got that for me. Autograph too. Nice. Okay, back to business here. <clears throat> Instead of begging for people to come on the podcast. The Toronto Maple Leafs and their hunt for the replacement for Spencer Carberry. I had a I had a couple of names float my way. What'd you hear? Well, there's one name that I think you've talked about before, I believe, Elliot. I can't remember which team it was around. Carl Taylor, who's the head coach of Milwaukee in the American Hockey League, the Milwaukee Admirals. Yeah, Nashville's farm team. Todd Nelson, is uh, his Hershey Bears are in the Calder Cup final. Actually, they're up 3-2 on uh, Coachella Valley. They can close out on on Monday. Yes, so Todd Nelson coaches there. And listen, I think a lot of us wonder about Mitch Love. After he didn't get the Calgary gig, I sort of I think we're we're all sort of wondering what's next there. But I don't know how far the Maple Leafs are along in that process of trying to find the next assistant coach to replace Spencer Carberry. But those were three that you know I had conversations about over the weekend. And in the end, it confirms what we'd suspected for some time, which is that Keith is coming back. Mm-hmm. They haven't announced anything, but he's coming back. I believe that once Tree Living was hired, it increased the chances. And there was one moment where I kind of wondered if that's what the Rangers were waiting for. But generally, I've believed since Tree Living arrived that Keefe was coming back and that's going to be happening. He's coming back. Uh, Before we get to emails, before we get to voicemails, anything else you want to bring up on the pod? Someone was listening to our podcast the other day. You know, we've been talking a lot about LA right and yeah and what they might be up to 
They also said to me that uh, St. Louis, and uh, St. Louis has made a lot of noise about willing to do things, but they they haven't done anything major yet. But this person said to me, you would be foolish to think that they won't be doing something. And he believes they're one of the teams that's going to be very interesting to watch as we get through the draft and and around that time. And, you know, what this person believes is that they're waiting to see if there's any chance like a Keller becomes available. That's a natural match because he's a, a St. Louis guy and, yeah. and that's where he's from. But even if not, you know, he said to me, that the Blues, at some point in time, there's no way they're sticking with the status quo. None. And it's just going to be up to you to figure out where they're going. They have, by the way, three first-round draft picks. Yes. And they've been open about a willingness to use some of them. You know, that's another thing. You, you talk about Florida. You talk about Tampa. You know, these teams have been unafraid to move late first-round picks. And they've been very successful. So if you really trust your scouting staff, Mm -hmm. unless you're truly rebuilding, you don't mind throwing some of those picks overboard. See what happens with Doug Armstrong and the Blues. Merrick, before we go to questions and answers. Yes. I'm just curious. A week and a half before the draft, what's your one, two, three, four, five? Uh, Number one is obvious. Connor Bedard. Okay. Number two, although I think Leo Carlson makes a lot of noise and could make some sense with Anaheim, Adam Fantilli. Okay. And Leo Carlson goes number three. Now, I think that that has the potential to be an absolute humongous tape measure home run at number three. That's how strongly I feel about uh, about Carlson here. But... We'll see. Um, So that's going to be a strong one there. Then at number four, I really want to say Matvey Michkov. To San Jose? I really want to say Matvey Michkov to San Jose. Wow. But I don't think that I can because I think he's going to fall, right? Yes. This one's a tough one for him because he has, I mean, he should probably go number two. So I'm not going to go with Matvey Mitchkoff. I'm going to go with Zach Benson to San Jose. Are you serious? You don't think Will, you don't think Will Smith's going there? It's going to be one or the other, and, and Montreal is going to get the other one. So you're going Benson 4, Smith 5 to Montreal? Canadians would love that. Benson and then Smith to Montreal. Do you have a top five? Well, no, I don't. I don't follow this as well as you do. I haven't listen, I haven't followed this year like intensely closely because of all the other stuff that I've had to do. This has been a lot of you know, sort of casual conversations with people. I don't get to to watch a lot of this like I used to in the past. So this is the dart that I'm throwing at this. And I think that like everybody else, Michkov is gonna be the wild card to all of it. I think the Canadians would love it if they got Smith. There's a lot of teams who think if they don't get Smith, they're taking Reinbacher, but under your scenario, they get Smith. The thing about Reinbach that I wonder about is the San Jose Sharks want two things. And again, this is like, you know, drafting for need as opposed to just drafting best player. They really have gone out of their way to try to feed this pipeline with defensemen and goaltenders. Those are the two areas that San Jose has identified as we need to fill this quickly. And again, I don't think that Reinbacher goes that high, 
But here's the other one. I wonder if San Jose trades down mm-hmm. if they're interested in Ryan Bacher and can get him at seven. Do they trade down and let someone jump up to grab someone else? Why not? They want defensemen. They want goaltenders. Intrigue. By the way, I got a call about this. The Winnipeg Ice going and into where did they end up? Wenatchee. Did a USHL team get blown up out of this or something like that? A BCHL. A BCHL team got blown up out of this, eh? Yeah. I heard those kids were taken completely by surprise. A lot of people in the Western Hockey League weren't necessarily, but as I've been told, everybody around this story, like everybody, this was a super sensitive story. Mm -hmm. Everybody was NDA'd and they actually respected it. You know this world much better than I do. What happens to all the kids here whose BCHL team gets blown up? Those kids, Elliot, will become free agents. Oh, I... and and what? So what? What'll happen there? I texted with someone about this. Is no surprise. You know, some of the top players will get snatched up by a couple of of top teams as well, and the other guys will. And it kind of sucks. They'll have to wait for openings. I got to just say, I, I don't like it. I I hope there's a solution here. I mean, I, I know this is hockey, and the higher you get, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's a competitive world, and, and I get all that stuff. Life's not always fair. But, you know, the BCHL just made a move because they wanted to control their own destiny a little bit and invite more kids to play for them. If you want to show you're a kid-friendly league, I, you know, I just hope they find a solution to this. That's all. All right. Uh, quick pause. Back with your voicemails. Back with your emails after this. All right. A smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Okay. 
Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, your thoughts now. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca is the email. 1-833-311-3232 is the voicemail line. 1-833-311-3232. Brandon from Michigan has what he calls a very hypothetical question. So here we go. Since we so rarely see a successful offer sheet, but are there any rules about who picks originally belong to in terms of compensation for offer sheets? For clarity's sake. Yes. Let's say I'm the Detroit Red Wings about to offer sheet Pierre-Luc Dubois or some eligible RFA making over $4.2 million. Before the offer sheet, could I use the pick number nine in this year's draft for first rounders in next year's draft with another team so that the first rounder that Winnipeg receives would be the 17th overall pick, originally Islanders from Vancouver, or does it have to be the team's original pick? Or if I have multiple picks in the first round, could I choose which one? For example, I trade for Las Vegas's 32nd overall pick using non-first round picks, and Winnipeg gets that one. Thanks, love the show. That's an easy one to knock down. Yes, there is a rule. It has to be your original pick. You have to have your pick to make an offer sheet. Now, one thing you can do is if you've traded away the pick, you can try to get it back so you can use it in an offer sheet. But one way or another, it has to be your pick. Brandon in Michigan, thank you so much for that one. Matt in Long Island gets this one. Good morning, y'all. I like when people say y'all. Me too. I don't know why. I love y'all. Love listening to the show and appreciate all the hard work. Possibly a silly question. One of the advantages of a player re-signing with their club is being able to sign an eight-year deal rather than a maximum seven-year deal with another club in free agency. Is there a rule preventing a team from signing a player to a one-year deal in free agency and then just immediately extending the player for seven years? If so, what is the criteria for being able to extend a player that you sign in free agency? I don't think there's any rule against it, but they're going to make sure you didn't do it illegally. There wasn't a wink-wink envelope in the drawer? You know, who knows if you can prove it or not. Anyone you sign to a one-year deal, you can sign to an extension after January 1st. And the closest thing where it happened this year was with the Los Angeles Kings. They have a defenseman, Mikey Anderson. Yep. And this past year, he signed a one-year contract in the summer worth... $1 $1 million, and then he signed an eight-year deal at a 4.125 AAV in the middle of February. So there is a recent example of this, even though it was their own player. Now, this doesn't happen in the NHL so much, but in the NBA, there was a famous case. Because a player has to be under contract for three years before you can go over the salary cap with his salary, it's what's called the Larry Bird rule in the NBA. There was a famous case about ugh, 20 years ago where the Minnesota Timberwolves signed a player named Joe Smith to three consecutive one-year deals and then signed him to a big contract. And it turned out the whole thing had been papered in advance and the NBA nailed them. Timberwolves, I think they lost five first-round picks and got a big fine. Mm-hmm. So like, that's a big deal. I don't think something like that would happen in the NHL. But look, like this happened this year with uh, 
Anderson. He was their own player. I think if it was a UFA and it went one and then eight, first of all, you'd be have to risk that nothing would happen to you, that you would lose the eight-year deal. And secondly, if anyone switched teams like that, I bet you there would be some moaning. So you probably would not want to leave a paper trail. But that's purely hypothetical thinking on my part. Uh, Matt in Long Island, great one. Here is, we'll finish on this one, Elliot, a voicemail from Muhammad. Hey, Jeff and Elliot. Uh, this is Muhammad from Scarborough. I'm just curious to know how Android video coaches or video rooms operate. Is there a central video database which coaches have access to? Are they using the same feeds that we're watching on TV, such as a national or local broadcast, or do they have specialized cameras just for coaches, like that follow the 12 people on the ice or 12 players on the ice? It's where they can view tendencies. What kind of tricks does McCarr have in his bag of tricks? They could catch that, I guess. Also, how far back does our video archives go? If a team wants to, let's say, see the Devils from the late 90s, early 2000s, can they view those games and then sort of implement it for their strategy? Lastly, how do video coaches prepare for an upcoming game or upcoming playoff series? Just curious to know how video data is processed, viewed, and obtained. Thanks. Good job, Amil. Good job, Jeff. And great job, Elliot. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want me to answer this question, you better include me in this one. By the way, that pause was fantastic. That yeah, was very good. Was very good. <laughs> Muhammad, thanks for that one. There's a whole there's lot, a lot in there. To, there's a lot. Okay, so uh, how do video coaches work? Well, they really serve a number of different masters here, don't they, Elliot? I mean, they serve the coaches, and they also serve the players as well. Like, players are used to having all that information, all their shifts available to them on their iPads at the end of every game. I remember that was a, a novelty once in the NHL. Hey, guess what our video coach does for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, now everybody does that. It's become a really important position at a lot of levels of hockey here. But from your perch, describe what the, what video coaches do. Well, first of all, right now, it's very easy to get shifts, right? There are companies that teams subscribe to that you can basically just call up a player and here is his shifts. It's a much faster process than it was, you know, even 10 to 15 years ago. It's much, much easier to get that. So that makes it a lot easier when it comes to pre-scouts and things like that. It's much easier to do that. Another team's power play, another team's penalty kill, your own power player penalty kill. As Muhammad mentioned, a player shifts. That stuff is much quicker to get to than it used to be. Yep. One of the key things now for video coaches, now some teams hire two. I don't know what the split would be around the league. Does a team hire one or does a team hire two? But there are teams that have two video coaches. And during a game, one of the video coaches will be responsible for getting highlights or things that a coach is going to want to talk to in the intermission. And the other video coach will be responsible for looking at plays you know for example zone entries zone entries like for example on goaltender interference or an offside challenge they don't make that decision after the puck goes in the net when a team enters the zone a lot of the best video coaches and most of them are very very good they've already started looking at that zone entry and saying was this offside just in case Because you only have, in theory, 30 seconds to make a challenge. You better tell your coach quickly if they should be challenging it. Now, oftentimes, the coach will want to look at it himself. 
But the fact is that, like, especially the really good video coaches who have good reputations with their teams and their coaches really trust them, they'll say challenge it and they'll be on it right away. So that's a lot of what the video coaches do is in-game. That's one of their key jobs. You know, a correct challenge in a game it's so huge because of the penalty that comes after it now. Mm. That's probably the biggest thing they do. And so you have to be able to buy yourself that extra time by already have having looked at it once it's occurred. So that's hugely important. One more thing that's really important to teams now and, and has been since this was introduced is uh, for goaltenders, player tendencies on shootouts. Yes. And vice versa, goaltending tendencies, uh, where they are weak, where they are susceptible, et cetera, during shootouts. That is totally valuable information. Yes. And these things, like we said, are much more accessible than they used to be. Uh, Now, in terms of what cameras they have, they do get access to everything that's shown on the broadcast. You know, oftentimes, too, the video rooms will ask to be put in touch with, I don't know if they still do because I haven't been in the field as much, but they get access to the truck feed. So whatever the truck is showing internally, they can see it. Now, the one scary thing about that is that they can hear what we're saying too. And I know in the past, some broadcasters like talking during uh, an intermission or talking during a commercial have said something about a team where it got caught on the truck feed. <laughs> I know that I don't want to say exactly who I know happened yeah. to, but I remember one of our guys, they were ripping something and you know, the producers yelled at them and said, you know, they have a truck feed of this. And he was like, oh, too late. So you, you have to be careful of that kind of thing. But I don't know if it happens anymore, but it used to that the video coaches would ask for a truck feed of the game and we would provide it to them. Thorough answer and great question. I hope I got everything there. I hope. I hope I uh, that was a lot. A, a great sign off too by uh, Muhammad. That's one of my favorites. That pause yes. will stick with me for a long, long time. So on that one, Elliot, we'll wrap. Um, by the way, coming up this week, uh, we're having a sit-down interview with Chuck Fletcher, former general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers and Minnesota Wild. He will be part of our draft coverage. Uh, look for that podcast sometime on Wednesday. In the meantime, uh, the music scene in Los Angeles is full of variety. No surprise there. Bennett Coast is brash, bold, and beautiful. He's a filmmaker, producer, and musician, and he uses his work as a visual artist to take us through his musical mind. Growing up, Coast didn't quite fit in, getting in a few scuffles along the way. With his music, he looks to his roots, the bottom line harmonies of human experience to tell his story. With his latest single, here's Bennett Coast with Bender. Hey, William Carlson on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Last night sucked, I got drunk, started a fight, Fucked up, won't pick up 
You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.